Hi there, this is Mark Rothman, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond, something I'm looking forward to very much. Hope you all tune in to listen. I know I'll be. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 178 of On Screen and Beyond. This is our second show of season five. And I'm your host, Brian Zumrak. This is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we're joined by the co-creator of Laverne and Shirley, Mark Rothman. Mark has written for The Odd Couple and Happy Days, She's the Sheriff, and many, many more shows. And he's going to be joining us, and he's going to be talking about his new book called Showrunner. And Mark's going to be joining us shortly, so stick around for that. He's going to talk about all the behind-the-scenes stuff at The Odd Couple, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and so much more. It's all coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And I want to thank you all for your emails that we've got over the past week. we got a lot of nice letters, and we appreciate it very much. If you want to email me, you can email me at feedback at onscrewedandbeyond.com. And I read them all, so uh, if you get a chance and you're on Facebook, go ahead and like us. If you're on iTunes, get over there and leave a review for us. It'll help us get up and get more people to know who we are, all right? And uh, what do you say? We get into the Remake Madness. Find out what's coming your way as far as remakes next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, the Farley Brothers remake of The Three Stooges is Finally set with a release date, look for the film on April 4th of 2012. And Ness Capone will be a new look at the story of The Untouchables. And it's set, of course, in the Prohibition era. And Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman will star in a remake of Les Miserables. And that's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we can take a look at new movies coming your way right here. Upcoming movies, well, Christian Bale will star in a Chinese epic called The Flowers of War, and word is that it is costing $100 million to make. Wow. And Denzel Washington will be starring in the new Robert Zemeckis film called Flight, and look for Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's uh, currently in talks to star in a film called Captive, where he plays a wealthy man who is kidnapped and buried alive in an armored truck. That sounds like an interesting one. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next, we're going to take a trip down to Sequel City and look for sequels that will be coming your way shortly, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, rumors are out that Arnold Schwarzenegger will have a substantial role in The Expendables 2 along with Bruce Willis. And on October 7th, Centipede 2 will be released in limited theaters. And Gillian Anderson says there is talk of another X-Files movie. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. 
Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. TV on DVD, well, October 25th, you can look for The Virginian Season 5 and The Virginian, the final season, The Men from Shiloh to come your way. And on October 25th, Wagon Train, the complete fourth season, will hit the trail in a 10-disc DVD set and more than 31 hours. And on October 29th, look for Season 1 of The Six Million Dollar Man as it jumps onto DVD. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Movies on DVD. <laughs> movies on DVD, well, September 30th, you can look for Transformers Dark of the Moon as it will hit stores. And this is a very quick turnaround for... Uh, that kind of movie, a big hit movie from theater to home video. So that's a quick turnaround. And on uh, December 30th, look for The Rocketeer to arrive on Blu-ray in the 20th anniversary edition. And on October 25th, check out Disney's Winnie the Pooh on DVD and Blu-ray. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, we sat down and had a chat with the producer. And, of course, he was also the co-creator of Laverne and Shirley, and he was also the writer for Happy Days and The Odd Couple and She's the Sheriff and so many more. It's Mark Rothman. Now, Mark has a a book out called um, Showrunner that's coming out, and uh, it's available right now on Kindle and Amazon. You can get that. And uh, he's he's got some great stories in his book. You've got to check it out. It's something you really, you know, if you like the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's all kinds of stuff in there, so be sure to check that out. Mark's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is a writer who has given us hours of laughter with classic TV shows including The Odd Couple and Happy Days. He is also the writer and co-creator of the hit show Laverne and Shirley. He has a book out called Mark Rothman's Essays. It's Mark Rothman. Mark, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Pleased to be here. Now, Mark, as I was doing the intro, I was, it was going through my head. I was thinking, uh, here I am saying the book is called Mark Rothman's Essays. And it wouldn't have been funny if I had said, here's Ben Jones or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it may seem a little redundant. And uh, actually, we, uh, we just, the uh, uh, day before yesterday, uh, got on to Amazon Kindle. You did? Okay, with, great. Uh, an expanded version of the book, and we decided to be a little less redundant and change the title. It's called uh, Showrunner. Showrunner, uh, okay. Just go look it up on Amazon Kindle. It'll, it'll tell you what it is. Yes, yeah, so what we'll do is we'll put a link on our website so people can click on it and just go right okay. to it. Well, let me just mention one thing about it. Sure. Because you can't really tell. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Kindle books, are like uh, usually about half the price of a regular book. 
and you know, and I'm looking at you know various prices of books, and some of them are like cheaper than mine. I mean, but mine is like mine is the same price as Tina Fey's, you know. Mm-hmm. And but mine has 500 pages. Oh yeah. And I mean, for 500 pages, you know, 12.99 isn't too bad, you know, considering each page is a gem, you know. So. Uh, well, you mentioned that I was reading the galleys that you had sent me, uh-huh. and at first I wasn't sure. You know, when it said you, you would, it was called essays at that time, and I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. And it's a riot. <laughs> the book is very good. Well, see, uh, it's, it's one of the things. I mean, not to to demean any of the people I worked with, uh, but. Too much of the, uh, too much, too many of the shows that I worked with felt like they were written by committees. Mm-hmm. You know, and you would, if whether you you laughed or not, I mean, I'm glad to hear you did laugh because I think it's real funny. Oh yeah. But what you hear in my stuff is you hear one voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like I'm talking to you. Yeah. It's like I am talking to the reader directly. Oh yeah, and uh, I think it's easier to be funny that way. Yeah, it's, it's and, and the stories you have are, are very very interesting to, to to read about and honest. They're honest. I pride myself. They've got to be honest. They've got to be personal, uh, and they got to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, and if they're all of those things, funny will follow. Yeah. Because I've had a pretty funny life. You know? <laughs> so, have you always been into writing and, and and being the funny guy or anything like that in school? I was. Or? I was class clown. You were, yeah. I remember hiding in the closet in the fourth grade, you know, throwing erases at the teacher. <laughs> but I never was a writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in college getting you know, failing uh, in essays. I mean, getting, you know, Fs. And uh, uh, I remember in sixth grade writing what I thought was, a, a you know, kind of a Twilight Zone story that before there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. And my uh, sixth grade teacher writing, you know, this could never happen in a million years. You know, basically trying to stifle my imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I really, I certainly never uh, had had written any kind of prose that I was ever happy with until I started my blog a couple of years ago. Yeah. What What made you decide to start a blog? Well, you know. I had a lot of resistance. My wife kept telling me, you know, why don't you have a website? See, I've written plays. Yeah. That's that's the thing. If there's anything I'd like to dwell upon during our time together, it's the fact that I have two of, I think, the most Broadway-worthy plays ever. I mean, Broadway-praised by critics worthy plays that have ever been written uh they've all been done regionally but not all in all the best venues that you can think of and uh i they should get done 
I mean, I hope among your listeners are people who run theaters, who, you know, are imaginative and would like like to think, well, you know, what I'm gonna want to re- I'm gonna want to do a play by some hack TV writer, <laughs> you know. I don't, you know. I am when I, I used to work with Lowell Gans when we split up. A lot of it had to do with he wanted to, you know, write the, all the hit movies of the 1980s, mm-hmm. and he did with another partner, and I wanted to write Broadway plays. Yeah. And I think I wrote plays that were worthy of Broadway, and I just, for whatever reason, I haven't been able to crack the code. Yeah, yeah. But the plays have been done a lot of times and always successfully and always uh, always well-received. I mean, I, it was always gratifying for me, far more than the... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I always had, you know, great reaction from the, the live uh, studio audiences for the shows that I did. I mean, every show that I worked on was three-camera live audience, which is a lot like theater. Uh-huh, yeah. And, uh, but the difference is, and they always reacted well. But the difference is, you know, they didn't pay to get in. Right. <laughs> and they didn't pay me to get in. Yeah. I mean, I uh, the people who paid me were, as pe- uh, if you boil it down with the people who sell soap, you know, they pay the uh, the network who pays the studio who pay me. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the laughs are, com- are not coming from the people who are paying me. So, you know, the, the biggest joy I've ever had is when we, whenever I do my plays, uh, to watch people standing at the box office, reaching into their, to their uh, pockets or wallets and pulling out cash. Mm-hmm. And handing it to the box office guy. Yeah. And then go walk into the theater and have the time of their lives. Yeah. And walk out grinning ear to ear. And I know that I'm responsible for for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? People actually paying me and enjoying what they got in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? You know it's, unma- it's an unmatched feeling. Mm-hmm. Because, you, do, you know, when you're... When you, You've written a play and you're also directing it. I mean, that's yours. I mean, if you write a movie, it's usually the director gets all the credit and all the blame. Right. Uh, <laughs> television, it's you know, it, it, you know, the power is usually somewhere else. Uh, but a, a, a play, it's all about the writing. It's all about words. It's the main difference between a play and a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a play is about words. A screenplay is about images. Well, I, I talk a lot in, in the book about I, my 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 gift. Um, I have a gift mm, in this sure. regard. I mean, it, it's unique. I, I don't know anyone else who has it. But you know, I, I mentioned how when we first started on the Odd Couple 
Lowell Gans and I. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lowell Gans is a great, great joke writer. And I consider myself now a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. I am still not a great joke writer. And I actually have a mild contempt for, the, for, for jokes. I don't... I, I, most of the sitcoms that I've worked on, certainly all of the, the reading that I've given you to read, there are no jokes there. Just I mean, funny it's, situations. <laughs> it's funny attitudes. It's funny characters. It's funny situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny storytelling. Yeah. But it's not funny jokes. Yeah. And we got hired on a spec script that we wrote for The Odd Couple. I mean, that's how we entered show business. And The Odd Couple was a joke show. So so you were at the at the start of The Odd Couple? No, uh The Odd Couple had been on for 2 years. Ah, okay. And they were on hiatus between the second and third year. Mm-hmm. And they were on the prowl for new new blood. Ah, okay. And uh <clears throat> see people would ask me all the time. How do you, particularly when I do uh, seminars and uh, and make speeches? You know, it's like how, how do you, usually they're in front of people who want to be in the business. You mm-hmm. know, and it's how do you how do you get into the business? You know, yeah. And I'm like the last person anybody uh, should ever listen to. Because I'm I'm the least helpful human being in that regard of anyone. Because my situation was so unique. Uh, I was living in New York with uh, you know Lowell and I went to college together, mm-hmm. and uh, we wrote uh, the we wrote sketches for college competitions mm-hmm. yeah. for frats. You know, frats and sororities each teamed up, and we did this thing called frolics every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were like 12 or 15 minute mini musicals, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we'd win, like, every year. Mm-hmm. It was like we were the pros from Dover, you know, <laughs> we were the ringers who were brought in, and we were just, you know, they were amateurs and we were pros, Yeah, you know? We just were. We were. We were that. You know. We had a, a a tremendous respect for what had preceded us, for what we'd grown up watching on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We loved the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh yeah. You know, and watched reruns of it every night. Every night it was on at six thirty, uh, and we would uh, usually congregate at uh, Lowell's house and. Mrs. Gans would make us dinner, and I'd be, be grateful because my mother was already out of the business of making me dinner. And uh, and every night at about 6.45, Mr. Gans would come trudging up the stairs after schlepping home from Manhattan. He lived in, they, they lived in Queens. And, you know, taking two, you know, subways and two buses to get home walking from the bus stop, trudging up the stairs, 
looking at us watching the Van Dyke show. Mm -hmm. And he'd say, you're going to make a living from this? <laughs> Little did he know. Right. <laughs> because the fact that we were so, you know, we absorbed good craft from the osmosis of watching good craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we and we also learned a whole a ton from working with Gary Marshall. He was very much in a teaching mode. Ah. And we were his last graduating class. So I was essentially, uh, but you know, because so we they they bought our, our spec script, but chiefly in my mind because of the jokes that Lowell had written. Mm -hmm. I don't think if I had written a script for The Odd Couple at the time without him, it would have led to anything because I was not a joke writer. Yeah. yeah. But from the first day of rehearsal, and I swear to God, this is true, to, to the current day, I could tell you by watching what was going on, knowing that there were going to be 300 people who, who understood English, who were going to be facing the stage, watching this on Friday night, I could tell you whether something was going to get a laugh or not, how if you added a word here, it would kill the laugh, or if you just added a comma here, it would get you the laugh. If you got one laugh, you weren't going to get this next laugh. Uh, you know, there may have been a way to get both laughs, but, uh, and I've never been wrong about that. Hmm. Like from day one, I've had this instinct, and it has served me very well. It led to my, when I started running shows, it led to uh, my always walking down to the stage you know, rubbing my ha my hands together, saying, "Oh boy, I can't wait till they say this, see this," because <laughs> I just knew. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I mean, I always knew how it was going to go, and I, it usually, I I knew that it was going to go well. Yeah, and occasionally, I knew it wasn't going to go well. But I was never mystified. I was never surprised. Mm -hmm. And those times that it didn't go well was because I knew we just didn't have enough time to make it work. Or it was a bad idea, or they took the bat out of my hands, the studio wanted something, or the star wanted to do something. And I knew it was a bad idea, but I had to do it anyway. Right. But left to my own devices, I virtually, and I had enough time, I knew how well it was going to go and, and where the laughs were. And if it, we weren't going to get it, it was because the actors laughed it up. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, on Odd Couple, yeah. and people, people will understand if they read the book. <laughs> what, what well, I, the pronunciation in the book, but what he's referring to is that when I, I was a young, when I was in my 20s, uh, during the summer, uh, uh, when I was still going to college, I, I, uh, I used to go out on, on uh, dinner theater tours as an actor. And uh, we, there was this uh, one in Tampa, Florida, and it was really 
it was really amateur night in the way it was conducted. They, the guy who owned the place would, would go out and do a monologue before the show. Mm-hmm. And every night he would conclude it. He was this old Jewish man with a bad toupee and a, a, a heavy Jewish accent. And he would say, and folks, remember, next month we're going to have our couple. <laughs> it was never the odd couple it was never uh, uh, you know it was always the accent on the cup yeah <laughs> you know next month we're going to have odd couple so uh i mean and literally within the next 3 years i was on the staff of the odd couple mm. <laughs> so i would tell people uh about uh, about odd couple so it caught on yeah. you know so every night every friday night we would go down and some but one of us could be counted on and saying, uh, okay, let's go do Odd Couple, you know. <laughs> and uh, then I, I worked on the uh, what essentially was the black version of the Odd Couple called the New Odd Couple with yeah. uh, uh, Ron Glass and Damon Wilson. <clears throat> and uh, I told them, I, was, I figured I had a good audience for them, to, uh, for that, uh, that group too, with this story. So it all always became... Uh, Okay, let's go do a new odd couple, you know. So uh, that that's what it, that's what you're alluding to, right? Uh, <laughs> not yeah. very well, not as good as you do it. But <laughs> well, that's why I felt it was worth, uh, you know, right? Demonstrating, uh, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah, that that's co- that's an essay that's covered covered in the book, right? And maybe see some sometimes I talk better than I write, but usually I write better than I talk. So. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, on The Odd Couple, um, did Jack Klugman and Tony Randall, did they ever ad-lib, or did they stick pretty close to your scripts? Well, you know, they were very powerful. Oh, yeah. In terms of getting what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, what they wanted was something new. Uh, They, I mean, they were very good to us. And they appreciated what we did for them. They, we made them look good. Right, yeah. That's... They know. They knew it. Yeah. It took them a while, but they knew it. They knew it that we were, you know, uh, we, we made, my, I think my main contribution to that show, again, was not joke writing, even though it was a joke writing show. I made them more into adults. Mm-hmm than uh, they made themselves. Uh. I mean, they were satisfied doing shows about going on Let's Make a Deal in a, uh, you know, a a horse outfit. Right, (laughs) yeah. I wanted to do stories about two middle-aged Jewish men with real problems. Mm -hmm. Gary Marshall used to refer to those as internal shows. Uh But that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
because so I basically turned the the odd couple into more a little bit more sophisticated, uh, a little bit more like a play. Was it a tough struggle to do that? Was there a lot of resistance? Not really. Not really. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it was, we were a lot of times, you know, television, particularly then, was awash in mediocrity in terms of, of writers. I mean, there were far more writers than there were good shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and Gary used to, a lot of the people we used to uh, hire to do the first drafts uh, were what Gary referred to as proven mediocrities. <laughs> he said he would rather hire a proven mediocrity than take a chance on a stranger. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And I never got that. I never saw the point. It just, to me, it just made more work for me. So how did how was the 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 progress of of a of a script like that was did it always start with someone writing a, a draft or something and then you guys took it over or did you come up with the ideas and then you know well, developed we it usually or? we ended up writing about a dozen of original uh, scripts mm-hmm. uh, but you know we were usually under a time pressure and there was. Uh, uh, you know, and there were other staff writers who, you know, part of their deals were to write original scripts, too. And there were always a bunch, you know, there was Gary's group of uh, uh, proven mediocrities that, you know, he owed favors to, whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, a lot of times there, was, there were a lot of crappy scripts that came in from the outside. Uh... The freelance writer... Uh, is really low man on the totem pole mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, my, having my respect. Because if they were really any good, they'd want to be on staff, and they would be good enough to be hired to be on staff. I see, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know very few freelance writers who are like any kind of wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime you were dealing with a freelance writer, your expectations were way way down, so that's where the real work was. Was to really it was Rumpelstiltskin, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, you're really trying to spin straw into gold. Were you with the Odd Couple all the way through to the end? Yes, you Once were. Once we got there, except for about five weeks, uh, we were there to the end, and we were essentially we were running things at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, as much, you know, Tony and Jack were running things, but, you know, as far as being able to, you know, get our way with the material, uh, they listened to us. Yeah. They were very, um, appreciative of what we did. Well, it only and, makes sense. <laughs> and I mean, and I got to hand it to him. I mean, there were times when Tony just hated what we, we were doing, uh, and certain scripts, and he would whine and, and quetch all week, but when it came down to it, and he'd given it all, I mean, and he'd harangue us about it, and then he, he realized, well, all right, I did all that I could do. Now it's up to me. Mm-hmm. 
and now I'm going to go out, and it's on my back, and I'm going to make this sucker work. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. And you loved him for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, I thought he, you know, he was misguided and having problems with it in the first place, but, you know, he was so good. Yeah. God, was he good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was one of the few actors I've ever witnessed who was able to take my material and make it better than it was and make it better than I expected it could be. Wow. And Jack was a human being. I mean, Jack, you could talk to about all sorts of the politics, sports, uh, you know, you, you, you could really, you know, he, he, he and he cared passionately about the show being good. Really? Yeah. And we would occasionally get into arguments with him about the script at the table, and it would, you know, he would find a problem that really didn't exist. And we would, like, counter with him back and forth on, well, no, see, that isn't a problem because this, 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 and this. And he would say, yeah, but it is a problem because you didn't deal with this, 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 and this. And we would say, yeah, no, but we did, because here, look at this. We did this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And after four rounds of this, he would close the script, and he would say, you're right. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't that unreasonable that he couldn't lose an argument. Yeah. You yeah. know? And he was in a position where he didn't have to lose an argument. Right, yeah. You know, so you had to love him for it, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, it takes quite a man to, to do that, really, because, like yeah. you say, he had the power to just say, close it, and then say, this is it, we're going to do it my way. Yeah, and i got to tell you, uh, along the way, uh, you know, you know, he, he, he could be a bit of a hothead. And uh, Gary, after this whole session, took him aside and he said, you know, these two guys are the best you got. They're the two best you're ever going to have. Why don't you go apologize to them? You know? Yeah. So for the one and only time in our careers, he came up to our office. The man had never come up to our office before, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And the so, But Gary, like, basically put a gun to his head and made him come up to apologize to us, mm. right? Yeah. So he comes into her, to our office unannounced, and there we are on the floor playing cards with our secretary. <laughs> and he said, I knew you guys weren't working. I knew it, you know. <laughs> One of the great moments. <laughs> and, and you know, for a second there, I could hear a little bit of Jack Klugman in your voice. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you hang around for a man for, uh, with a man for three years, you know, you pick up the... Uh, the cadence. Yeah. Now. When they turned around and the show ended, and then later on they decided to remake the show with the new odd couple, do you think that was a good idea or? Well, it was a it was a nice gig for me. I mean, I, I like you know it was interesting. They essentially wanted to do, basically recycle the old scripts. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I was constantly fighting for them to give us uh, money so we could write new scripts. But it enabled us to uh, shoot a lot of the ones that we had written and get fully paid again, you know, in prime time money, which was better 
than the prime time money we were getting originally. Really? Yeah. The inflation had uh, taken place and the guild's uh, minimums had gone up. So I yeah. love that, you know. <laughs> that was easy. Uh, huh? Yeah, it, it made life uh, a lot easier. And, uh, you know, again, the 300 people told us that they liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have never really been ashamed of anything that I've worked on, and I've never bit, uh, never had an audience disappointed in, uh, you know, in the work the way it was always received well. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, Demond Wilson, Wilson was a guest on our show oh, a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And... Demond Wilson was de- a delight to work with. By mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a nice guy when I when he had him on the show, and we were talking about his book, and of course he talked a lot about uh, 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 Sanford and Son, but uh, right. he also mentioned uh, the New Odd Couple, and right. Yeah, he was very good, I thought, and he was very easy to work with. Yeah. Now, on the original Odd Couple, is there one show in particular that you are most proud of? There are two or three. Really? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and they're all ones that I wrote, uh, or, or I co-wrote with Lowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is uh, the one where Felix is afraid to fly. That's usually everybody's favorite. Uh-huh. Another, another one is when uh, Oscar has to become the theater critic on the on the paper. Uh-huh. Okay. And he feels like he's in over his head, so he sends Felix to the theater every night, not telling him. That and then he picks his brain when he comes home, and he essentially writes his review based on what what Felix tells him about the play, and doesn't tell Felix that he's doing it. Yeah, and it leads to a great second act. And another has to do with um, Oscar thought had had a girlfriend who thought he was too mu- too much of a slob, and uh, was going to kill the relationship so Oscar goes to Felix and says could you teach me to be a little more like you and you know Felix is loving this right <laughs> and it gave me the opportunity to write one of the few out and out surrealistic jokes that I've ever written mm-hmm. uh, and again like I said I'm not really a joke writer but this one came into my head, and it just came out of my mouth, went on the page, and got a huge laugh. Uh, there's this scene in it where essentially, you know, we, it's in, it takes place in Oscar's bedroom, which, as you probably remember, was this enormous uh, pigsty. Right. <laughs> it make, My actual bedroom made it look like, uh, you know... The maids had just cleaned it in comparison. I mean, I am Oscar. Um, and Felix goes in and attempts to analyze him like a psychiatrist. Right. He's at the foot of his bed with a notepad, which is pretty funny in itself. And he says to him, so tell me, Oscar, uh, um, did uh, when you were a kid, I mean, were you were you well liked? I said, "Oh yeah, yeah." He said, "Did you have a lot of friends?" "Oh yeah, pl- plenty of friends." Uh, he says, and Felix says, 
not me. All the, all the other kids in school hated me. <laughs> Just once, I was a week late with my milk money, and the student court sentenced me to death. <laughs> now, that is a hilarious joke, but if you really boil it down, it's totally surreal. Mm. I mean, it could never have happened, yeah. you know. I mean, nobody, there wouldn't have been such a thing, uh, you know, where, where a student court could have done that. But, uh, uh, so, uh, but you know, you fall into the rhythm of the way the show is, and you start thinking in those terms. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and to, like you say, uh, Tony Randall's uh, delivery of that. I just gave you, that was Tony Randall's delivery on mm-hmm. that show. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, he was great. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. just, just great mm. he could do things that i mean in that airplane episode you know where uh they're sitting on the plane and he goes to the bathroom and it turns out that the plane has been charted by a parachute club and everybody ju- else jumps out except jack <laughs> and he comes back tony comes back from the bathroom and does this great take where he turns it and he does this double take as this oscar Weren't there people in here? <laughs> you know, and it was his idea to do that. Really? Tony always knew how to make Tony funny. Yeah. You know, and uh, you had to love him for just for caring that much and doing it well. Yeah. After the odd couple, after a few things, along comes Happy Days. It wasn't a, after a few things. It was the odd couple went off. Happy Days had already been on for uh, like a, a season and a half yeah. as, as a one-camera film show, Gary Marshall had already been itching to turn it into a live audience show. Mm-hmm. So he moved us right over there. Oh, okay. So it was a... And we immediately started, and it was a natural, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to be a live audience show. And, you know, that's when Henry Winkler went through the roof. Oh, okay. So when when the two of you went on there, that's when because because at the beginning, Fonzie was sort of a background character, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know that they really knew what to do with him, mm-hmm. uh, but but we did, <laughs> and uh, and it was very easy to write, and the cast was lovely. Oh yeah, and adorable, and appreciated what we did, and the audience, you know, you know. There was that. That's when the, we witnessed actual mania. Oh yeah, there was huge. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, <coughs> you know, it was a little <coughs> embarrassing that every time Fonzie would enter Arnold's or the Cunningham's, you know, we had to wait for the applause to stop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> before we could go on, and I'm saying, you know what? It ain't about the writing anymore, you know. <laughs> it, they don't, it doesn't matter what we do, you know. Yeah. You know, and it really didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, it, st- it still has to be a good show. I mean, even, if, even at, at a point when a show becomes a humongous hit, it, it's, it's not going to last if, if the writing's not good, though. Yeah, but I'll tell you. Once you reach a certain level of success, 
with a show, the audience is a lot more forgiving. True. That, yeah, I agree with that. I've, I've witnessed that over and over again. Yeah. That, you know, once, you know, when it really matters is when you're doing a pilot. I mean, that's when you really have to be good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, everything is on the line. Right, sink or swim. I mean, so funny is that's when it matters. But once you've got a, a show that's successful as Happy Days, or, or Laverne, I mean, Laverne and Shirley went through periods when it was better than other times, and then it was worse, and then it was better again, then it was worse. And the audience. You know, we had the audience in our pockets. It didn't mm-hmm. matter yeah. when it got worse. Yeah. They were forgiving because yeah. they loved the characters. Mm-hmm. So, again, week to week, how good the writing was only mattered to us. Yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, and it's, uh, like I said, there there are, are times when, you, you know, there are crunch times, like when you're trying to sell a pilot, that it really does matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on hits, particularly, I mean, if if it's week to week survival, I mean, actually, Odd Couple was like that for longer than most people know. Really, Odd Couple was always a borderline pickup because huh. it never, it always did well in the cities, in the overnight ratings, mm-hmm. and it always did lousy in the sticks as a result it always had borderline uh numbers yeah Yeah. but at the again timing is everything it this all happened at a time when abc had nothing else that was getting any kind of recognition that was getting nominated for any emmy awards in the world of comedy so quality did matter there yeah. At least perceived quality. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, those those borderline situations, it does matter. But when you're dealing with runaway hits, you know, after a while, it just doesn't. <laughs> now, were you involved with what everybody considers the the jumping the shark episode? Of... No, I was long gone. You were gone by then, okay. By then. <laughs> I, I've written about that on the on the blog. Uh, and uh, I really thought it was inexcusable mm-hmm. that they would do such a show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, you know, yes, it was. Uh, um, it, w- it was an indication that maybe they had started running out of, of ideas. But if you look at the show itself, it was particularly horribly executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so no, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, he said very proudly. <laughs> now, by that time, uh, I presume the reason you weren't involved with that is because you had moved on to Laverne and Shirley, right? Uh, actually, that may have even been past Laverne and oh, Shirley. Oh, it's past Laverne and Shirley. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. If you t- gave me a date, I could tell you what you know what I was what shows I was working on. Yeah, but. Laverne and Shirley very shortly led to our getting a development deal at CBS where we started doing pilots and series, Mm -hmm. none of which were successful. They were all good. Yeah. 
but none of them were successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could have been working. We did a series called Busting Loose yep. that starred Adam Arkin, mm-hmm. which was as funny as anything. Yeah. And, you know, there, it's barely remembered. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, we did good work, and we were very proud of it. But, uh, you know, so I might have been working on that series when yeah. they were jumping the shark. I don't know. So, Laverne and Shirley, how did you come about creating that? Let me just say at this point that it is thoroughly discussed in the book, mm-hmm. and very interestingly, I think. If you oh, really yes. want to know how a show gets developed and uh, and put together, you'll, you'll, you'll get it in, in the book. It'll yeah. be there, and it'll be there in a way where your eyes will open. What I say to people is if, if they want the... Uh, on the blog, I tell them if they want the paperback, if they don't have Kindle, okay, which it contains this story, um, all they have to do is email me. Let me give you my email address right now. It's M-A-C-C-H-U-S 999 at AOL.com. Email me, and I'll tell you how I can send you a, a, a copy of the paperback. And uh, that might satisfy you, and, and uh, there are just a ton of, of, of great stories, even though it's about, it's about 250 pages. Right, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, it didn't seem like you weren't, you know, you, you didn't have enough to read. There's plenty to read in this. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, go to my website, and you know, it, usually I put a little blurb after each essay saying, if you're interested in getting the book, that's how to do it. Just email me with, you know, uh, and I will email you back and give you all the instructions on how to get it from me. Okay. And uh, because I really have not put it on uh, Amazon and uh, the paperback, or uh, if I had put it on Borders, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because it's going out of business. Right. How was it working on Laverne and Shirley? Did, was it a good experience overall? Well, Well, we're going to stop it right there and finish up part one of On Screen and Beyond's interview with Mark Rothman and uh, sort of leave you with a little cliffhanger right there. Next week, we will have part two of our interview with producer, writer Mark Rothman as we continue our talk about his career and his writing and producing Laverne and Shirley and a whole lot of other stuff. It's It, it was uh, quite a long interview, so we wanted to split it up into two parts for you. And that's going to be coming up next week. And I hope you're going to join us because there's still a lot more of this interview that's fascinating. And he's a great guy. Hope you're going to join us for that next week. So that just about wraps things up for this show. And uh, let's see, reminding you once again to check us out on Facebook. Love to be your friend out there. If you want to email us, email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And we'll start a little conversation there. That's about it. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.